And welcome back to Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. And we want to welcome you guys back to another fabulous episode of Talking with Shadows. Uh, it's been a pretty fun week uh, as we got to do a patron video that's going up. I think it's the same day as this is going up where we talk about alien moon bases. And the best part about it, it's the first time that Marcus tries a uh, sour beer and we find out what he thinks about it. It's like... Drinking a warhead. Uh, yeah, he, he keeps saying he likes it, but he kind of makes this yeah. face every time. I love them. It was uh, it was definitely an experience, and you can see me struggling with opening it uh, as well. So if you guys want to see Marcus squirm while trying to drink a sour beer, <laughs> go over to our Patreon and sign up, because our One Candle TV stuff we do on camera, so yeah. you get to see our beautiful, beautiful faces. That First off, that's, that's a bait-and-switch tactic right there, because we... <laughs> We are not that good looking at all. Marcus looks Marcus looks kind of like a fairly standard human. I at least look like someone who just wandered into the studio off the street. Yeah. Do you look like if Bigfoot decided to get his life together, shaved and got a job? Do some people some people at the hospital call me Sasquatch? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we want to thank uh, everybody's support in our last episode. We had a lot of fun making it. And uh, definitely want to get into some of the comments that people left. Uh, the first comment to comes to us from uh, Death Knight. I believe uh, Death Knight twenty eight. Death Knight says, "I have friends and family that are Latino, and they speak about them uh, a lot, saying if you notice one near your property, leave a snack for them so they don't do anything mischief to your property." Uh, for names, I would say get something from your catchphrase, which I love, by the way. Um, I also just realized that I didn't specify like what our last episode was. Uh, in our last episode, if you haven't checked it out, uh, we talk about gnomes. It's all things gnomey. Okay, first, uh, oddly enough, Ellie does a similar sort of ritualistic thing to kind of keep away little people from the area around the studio. Where she makes these little uh, clay dolls and leaves them hidden in the bushes nearby. And she says, oh, it's to distract any little people. Uh, and for me, I'm like, held to the no. Okay, that just sounds like blackmail. I am not going to leave <laughs> an offer for, first of all, for them to come. Because first, at, at best, you keep away gnomes. At worst, you attract raccoons. Okay, both raccoons and gnomes I don't want on my property. Okay? You don't like anything getting near your property. I Most do. of your biggest nightmares involve people being on your property. I Usually know. cultists. But... I'm, I'm going to be hanging out on my on my lawn with a baseball bat just screaming at my neighbors. Like, watch out for the gnomes or stay off my property. If we can't post uh, for a few weeks, it's because Marcus has been institutionalized. <sighs> They're real. First off, after watching the episode last time, last time I'm convinced that it's a real thing. Oh, I, I really did not think I would come when I started the research for this. I didn't think I'd come out as like one of those people were like, yeah, gnomes, uh, gnomes might be a thing. That that might be something that's out there. I, I really didn't see that one coming. <laughs> uh, my next comment to us comes from uh, Luna. Oh yeah, she lives. Love wow. that name. I love that name. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, Luna says, the Duende, we have them in Trinidad and Tobago. It's a forest stamp that lures children into the woods. They wear pointy bamboo hats and their feet are turned around backwards. So it looks like they're walking towards and away from you at the same time. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I started researching, uh, gnomes, I had no idea how, uh, widespread, uh, the idea of gnomes were in Latin American countries. And it's weird how, like, similar they are in different countries and mm -hmm. even on different continents. Also, the backwards feet thing, which is why they look like they're walking away from you and towards you at the same time, might actually explain why people are so horrified while <laughs> taking off running. Because that probably is going to be horribly unsettling. 
that's hitting something on my folklore radar. There, there are other um, folklore creatures like that that have uh, backwards-facing feet, but I can't, I can't recall them <laughs> off the top of my head. But it's, it's pinging somewhere in my brain. <laughs> uh, Creepy California, thank you again, by the way, Creepy California, for commenting. Frequent commenter, Creepy California says, "I'm assuming I ran into a gnome or knocker while hiking in California." Uh, me and some friends were looking for a nature-made water slide, and as we were enjoying the swim, I had noticed something was pulling my bag away, so I rushed towards it, and a two-foot-tall person with a beard was holding onto my bag. I freaked out and drop-kicked him. I'll admit I felt bad, so when we left, I left some beer <laughs> that we had brought as a sorry. That is an awesome story. And in my response to Creepy California, a totally justifiable uh, response. That sounds like the sort of move I'd do where <laughs> I would react to it like that and then be like, I feel kind of bad about it. It's, it's, it's weird. It, again, it's one of those things that I am so surprised so many times does not occur in stories about the paranormal where people kind of turn violent because a lot of people's gut reaction to seeing something that off-putting might be like, I don't know, punting it 20 yards down downfield. And that's basically my response to any time I do something mean to someone. He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I yeah. might have gone a little far. Yeah. Should, I should give him something. So leave, some beer, leave, leave some beer for him, which I think also is a, is a bro move, creepy California. So, good bro move there. <laughs> uh, okay, actually, and another thing that we had, we had some suggestions for our fan names as well. Ooh, what we got? Yeah. Uh, again, if this is the first time that you guys are checking on this podcast, we are trying to take fan suggestions for our names. And I think what we're probably going to do is take suggestions for the rest of the month. I think seems like a good idea. If we change that, we'll let you guys know. But uh, keep posting fan suggestion names, and we're going to take the best ones, put them into a poll, and let you guys vote on what our fan name is going to be. Uh, so Phoenix Flame uh, posted the idea, what about something like the Candelorians? Which I think sounds awesome. I don't know. It's It, it sounds like this could be really cool for a couple months, and then people will stop watching that, the Mandalorian eventually, no. and then it's going to fade. Vic, Vic, this is the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it also might be that I haven't watched the Mandalorian. I know. That might that so might be so awesome. I know he didn't get that reference, but I know so many of you guys did. Oh, gosh. And I know it's a Mandalorian reference because I hear I hear about this show. I don't have Disney Plus. I, I watch Hulu and Netflix and mainly just YouTube. Uh, next person was Twistar Dillard. Twistar Dillard says, "Hey guys, I got a suggestion. How how about Candlebrus? Like, what's up, Candlebrus? <laughs> Which I when I hear that, that's what I'm hearing in my head, and I think that sounds super tough and super awesome. By the way." And we'll definitely make our fans sound the toughest out of any of the uh, paranormal fans out there. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Once again, I'm, I'm not sure, but maybe, maybe. Oh, man. Philip uh, Nar says, how about Shadowlings? I kind of like that. I one. actually kind of do, too. I, I, you know, for, when I first read that, it was kind of, I was kind of a little bit, but when I sang it, sang it out loud, I, I'm actually kind of digging it now. <laughs> it's not too edgelordy. <laughs> It's just about the right speed. Yeah. Oh man, Candelorians is up there, man. I'm t oh man. Uh, Guy Prieto, I want to say I said that right. Said, how about truth seekers or holders of the light? You know that actually sounds similar to when we were trying to come up with names uh, ourselves. With some, I think holders of the light or like light keepers was something that I think came at, was an idea that was thrown around a lot. Yeah, I actually rather like both of those. And then the last person, no, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that person. That's a bunch of symbols. I'm not pronounced. Something blah, 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 reality. Um, they said, how about a shorter name like Shades? I like it. I do I too. Like very, it. very simple, to the point. Like My only real issue with the other, like the pre the previous two we just talked about, is they're a little wordy. But I do really like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although my favorite still might be Whispers. Or whispers. I I really like that one. Candelorians. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. Okay, I can't help I, I can't help how much I like that one. I'm sorry. But again, if you guys have another idea for uh, a name for the fans, drop it in the comments below. And and another thing that we thought that we would do too, which we thought was a lot of fun, is me and Vic realized that we had done 
uh, a lot of videos uh, for our patrons, and one of the things that we thought we could do uh, for this episode would be to do a giveaway. And the thing that we decided to give away would be, I guess, a fan, uh, one of your choices uh, for one of our patron videos. And we've done a lot of different uh, patron videos. We've done stuff on, say, uh, the Siberian Cauldrons, Valiant Thor, uh, Alien Moon Bases was the one that was the most recent one we just did. The Michigan Dogman uh, was actually, I think, the very first one we did. So we've got a ton of patron videos uh, up there. So for this giveaway, what we want to do is... When we post this episode up on Facebook, what we want you guys to do is to share our post and then comment below that you guys shared it. And for our next episode, uh, we're going to randomly select somebody who shared our post and give away a free episode of our patron video to you uh, as a thank you to us. And you get to pick. We'll let you know all of the topics that we have for all of our patron videos. And you get to pick the one that you want. You know, when you're going through the the comments, you did uh, you didn't mention the person who called uh, one of us annoying, and we couldn't figure out which one it was. Oh, that's a good. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> we can do that. I didn't. Even, you know what? I'm not gonna lie. I the thought didn't cross my mind. So fair enough, because we will read comments, even if they're negative. You guys can go ahead and post them. Um, so Vivi said, uh, "Good topic. More folklore and research wanted. Less personal opinions." Uh, one dude shared his research, which was interesting, and the other guy only whined and complained about gnomes, which was infuriating. Either contribute interesting information about the topic, or learn to shh. I couldn't finish the video, even though I wanted to hear more about Lauren Gnomes. Opinion guy is so annoying. Yeah, we couldn't figure out which one of us is opinion guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we kept arguing about that, and so at the end of the day, we just decided uh, we're both the opinion guy. Because I thought both of us, I thought, were actually giving information that we had found on the thing. We, I think we both covered two various angles on gnomes. I just thought that was a funny one because yeah. it started the discussion on which one of us is the annoying one. Yeah. Ellie said both of you. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, she did say that. We accused each other and just left it at that. So. All right. So with that, uh, with that episode being, uh, with that being said, I think we should probably get into today's topic. Okay. Today's topic is another one kind of like our last one where going into it, we basically just picked something that it was it something that we had heard of. It was floating around, but we didn't know much about it. It was something kind of on the periphery. And truthfully, I didn't think there's going to be much to it. I thought this was going to be a much more jokey episode. But once we got into it, I swear some of these ones that you don't think are going to have much to it really have a lot to them. <laughs> it's it, it's and today, guys, we're going to be talking about bat squatch. It, again, it, it does, it sounds jokey. And if we're going to talk about something this, uh, kind of this weird, I'm, I'm going to need a drink while we talk about this. Ugh. Okay, what, what what we get today? So today, I got to pick, by the way, since you got to pick, by the way, for our last episode. Today, guys, we are drinking, while we talk about Bat Squatch, Red's Hard Apple Peach. Okay, I'm not a big peach fan, so uh, I am. we're going we're gonna to see what happens I, I had to drink that sour beer yesterday. Dude, sour beer is awesome. I had it was. I think that's sour beer. You could you can handle a hard apple peach <laughs> cider. If you haven't tried a, a sour beer, guys, I definitely recommend that they're good. But anyway, again, cheers to all of you guys. Thank you. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah, it is. And it would be better without the peach, but this is actually pretty good. Thank you very much. Give me, can't hear that, guys. That's me giving myself a pat on the back. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so bat squatch. All right, Vic, what? What does Bat Squatch look like? Okay. There are a few different ways that it can be described. They do follow general trends, but there is a degree of variance. It's generally, think of a large six to nine foot tall primate-like entity with a head somewhere between a standard primate with an extended mom making it look somewhere in between a primate and kind of a fox-looking creature. The big thing that makes it unique is it has large wings and can fly. And man, there are so many directions we can go with this. Um, do you know? Do you know what I want to talk about first? Hmm. Do you think this is a biological creature similar to how we generally discuss Bigfoot, or do you think this is a supernatural-based creature similar to how we generally classify um, 
classify things like Mothman. Actually, first we should probably talk about where where it's cited. Yeah, so Bat, okay. yeah, Bat Squatch <laughs> is primarily cited in the Northwest United States, all through like California, and there's even reports down like through Mexico. So East Coast, primarily to the Northwest. Sorry, guys, I, I'm really wanting to jump the gun because I'm you, excited about this. You thing. were jumping ahead. You were jumping ahead there. And most of these sightings have been post Mount St. Helens mm-hmm. eruption. And supposedly there's a big flap of sightings of them around that time. And supposedly there's photos floating around out there waiting to be analyzed. But I couldn't find so them. So it's like post the 1980s. It's mm-hmm. like in, in like by the time of the 1990s, that's been kind of like the bread and butter for a lot of stories start taking off. Okay. Now can I go into it? Sure. Oh uh, wait, do you wait, you're gonna ask me the question and then answer? I don't know. You asked me, do I think that this okay, is a okay, biological okay. thing? Yes, I was I was setting up for a discussion. Okay. Yeah, just start giving your opinion. <laughs> okay. Right off the gate, I'm gonna say this is a supernatural entity and not a biological creature. First and foremost, because of the weird ability that seems to that that the bat squatch tends to have. Which in a lot of bat squatch sightings, they have the ability to shut cars off and like just turn them off. Yeah, which is very similar to like Mothman and UFO encounters, and that that's one of the first big things that sets them apart from like just a general Sasquatch sort of encounter, but definitely not the last. Mm-hmm. What about you? Oh, um, okay. If it's a biological entity, first. I think we have to make some concessions if we're going to be thinking about it on a biological level. First, I think we have to say it probably does not have arms and wings. Um, a vertebrate with with arms, legs, and wings all as separate appendages just does not exist in the known natural world. It's not a body shape that is out there. Excuse me. Also, I think we have to say... It's probably not a primate, although the wings are in the mammalian toolbox and it wouldn't be impossible for something like a primate to develop them. It'd be unlikely for them to suddenly take a twist to that specific sort of pattern of behavior, Uh, that sort of uh, evolutionary turn right there. And I think it would be very unlikely for it to be a, um, a primate, although not necessarily impossible. So I think if we're talking about it on a biological level, we're probably talking about it being a very large bat. And I think it would probably be something closely related to the spectral bat. The spectral bat is um, it's a, the world's largest carnivorous bat. It has this very odd sort of distended face, somewhat similar to in how people describe, um, kind of similar to how people describe bat squatch. Uh, but there's still some hurdles to get over because we're talking about something that has a three foot wingspan to something that when standing is six to nine feet tall. So that's a pretty big hurdle. It would have to be a massive version of this species. And it does have some other traits that you could say are shared with Basquash, like the visible teeth and things like that. But if we're talking about it on a biological level, I think it would have to be something along the lines of a spectral bat. And so Marcus knows what I'm talking about. I'm going to pop up a picture here. Yeah, we'll post a photo a for you guys in our show notes so you guys can kind of check bat. it out. Doo-doo. Apparently went off the tag. And there. Yeah. Actually, that looks like, if you want to see what I'm looking at, like think like Man Bat from the Batman animated series. Yeah, it actually does have that kind of look to it. Yeah. Another thing is, um, in particularly many of the early encounters with... Um, Bat Squatch, it's described as being blue, and I don't think they mean like primary color blue. There's a color of fur that when you're talking about an animal, you can refer to it as blue, and it's really more of kind of a gray sort of color. Because I mean, blue fur, to the best of my knowledge, does not occur in any mammal. No, like when I like when they're saying blue, like I'm thinking like blue tick coonhounds, which again are like a shadish of gray and white. You know, when I'm seeing blue. So I, and again, we're talking like way Washington state. So I'm thinking like this is a, a guy that's the, like the initial report comes around. Uh, once it's Brian Canfield is, is what his name is. And when he's saying, describing it as being blue, I really think that's what he's referring as. It's like that kind of off bluish grayish look to it. Yeah. I definitely don't think they mean like actually bright blue. Like you see some people draw an art. Yeah. Cause that's like, 
the only person that's like the only person that really uses I think blue like in the description a lot of other people that have had bad squatch sightings give it almost a either gray or black yeah gray to black yeah color gray, scheme. gray to black has color scheme uh for what it for what it looks like because in my head when I'm hearing blue I'm thinking of like it's like a blue bat creature with a wolf head I'm it sounds like the uh, the, the the cat people from Gargoyles that live in the train station, and I'm like, I just don't know, I just don't see how this is like a thing that. But now look is at natural. A, look at a picture of a spectral bat, and look at the area around the wing membrane. Yeah, it's got like a bluish yeah. gray look. To, like I think a person that doesn't know the proper way to color, like color it and, and describe it, is going to call that like grayish black. But a person that's probably from around it will give it kind of a, a bluish hint to it. Yeah. So. If it is a biological creature, I think we're talking about not something that looks like a Sasquatch, but with wings. I think we're talking about an extremely large variant of a spectral bat. But I still don't think that's the likely case. I'm just saying, if we're going to be talking about it biologically, that's the, the, that's the direction I'd go. The issue is, these animals are designed to be in the air a lot of the time. And that involves a massive like amount of caloric intake. The amount of calories these things would have to be consuming would be massive. We're talking, oh God, probably something around 900 pounds of meat, possibly daily, depending on how much time they're spending in flight. Like if this thing was like a biological creature, I would be, that's why what you're talking about when it need it needs just so many calories. I'm surprised that there are not more stories involving this thing eating. And in most bat squatch stories, it's really just minding its own business and just moving around. Like if something has to eat that much, it's just going to be eating constantly. Yeah, this thing while out would probably need to be in a constant state of looking for food. And I don't think it would be above eating people right. because if you're that desperate for calories and you're looking for that level of consumption, then yeah, you're just going to go for whatever you have. This thing would probably need to eat two deer a night. Yeah, Something but, like that. But again, it, it could still be able to get a lot of calories in it. Because one of the things in the description that we forgot to note, one of the, the, the earliest descriptions of Basquatch, what it has is that when you when you hear a wolf head, you're thinking like canines, like like a wolf, like sharp teeth. They actually described the teeth as being flat, like like people teeth, like, like a primate teeth, like primate teeth. Mm -hmm. So this thing could easily be an omnivore and be able to forage on different types of food. It's possible, but if you think about that region, there's not a lot of calorie-dense vegetation that you're going to be able to get easily. Um, yeah, but Sasquatch lives up in there, too, and I think people said the same thing about him, about like he should be able to eat a bunch of calories up in there to be able well, to survive. If we're talking about being a primate, it would be it would probably be a robust with a sagittal crest. And gorillas um, eat, get a ton of their calories off leaves. But the thing is, um, leaves don't have very many, many calories. That means they're constantly chewing all day. That's why yeah. they have uh, this crest on the top of their skull. It's called a sagittal crest. And that allows for their muscles to attach to the, the top of their skull so their jaws don't get tired very easily chewing all day. Um, but I don't... Like I said, I don't think this is a... Well, maybe it could have a sagittal crest. So there are other mammals that have sagittal crests. So maybe it could be surviving off that. But here's the issue. The caloric value needed for this thing is going to be way higher than that of a gorilla, way higher than that of Sasquatch. Because it's trying to fly. Mm. And it is a large creature trying to fly. So it's going to be need, be needing to consume calorie-dinch things to survive. Because even le eating leaves all day... I mean... I don't think you need to be a large mammal to, like, it, it's just, it's not a strategy that works very well. Because if you're a large mammal, you have that much musculature, you're flying, you're probably, there's not a purse for you to be that big and to be consuming leaves all day. <laughs> like, if you were a ground-based animal with few predators, then yeah, that makes sense, but why have flight then? Although, once, uh, the, the only story that I actually found of it actually eating, <clears throat> I mean, though, this thing was like a beast. Uh, and the, it was in Washington State. A gentleman was driving home, and he stops and picks up a hitchhiker. And as they're driving along, all of a sudden they hear this like whooshing sound. And the next thing you know, this deer carcass lands in front of their car, and they have to like hit the brakes, it stops it. And the deer carcass has like scratch marks all over it. And the thing, the basquatch lands in front of them, 
and like is like staring him down as this thing's trying to like decide like decide if it's gonna like try to take off with the deer or just leave it be and whatnot and i mean it it dropped a whole deer by itself and eventually picks the deer up and carts it over the car when it takes off which would be a pretty intense strength of flight right no, there. Yeah. And again, in talking about its flight, there was another story that was talking the, that I was that I was reading about it, where this thing was able to beat its wings so hard it rocked the car. The other thing, like maybe we might be overestimating the calories it needs, because I'm comparing it to smaller bats that spend a great deal of time in the air. If this one's adapted to spending less time in the air, that would cut down the calorie needs. But still, it's going to require a good deal of, uh, of, of probably meat, something very wow. calorie-dense. Uh, truthfully, I don't think this is a biological entity for reasons beyond just most people don't describe it as having the proper wing size to be able to fly at that size or the amount of calories it would need for it. I think that this is more likely to be a supernatural entity and... It's kind of akin to a lot of other things we've talked about, like way closer to it than I had previously thought. Mm -hmm. um, okay. For those of you who are veterans of our channel, you've probably heard us talk about different sorts of flying humanoids. And I think because of the name this thing is taken on, Batsquatch, people tend to think about it more like being a Sasquatch-esque sort of creature and classifies it more in that elusive zoological area. But I think it would way better fit in the kind of aerial anomalies sort of section where it is uh, along the kin of the Mothman or the NASA Gargoyle, things along those lines, or the, the Freiburg Shrieker. Because uh, it shares so many traits with them, so many traits with them, that it is hard to overcome believing it, can, it could not be something of a very similar ilk. And besides that, a creature more similar to, say, the Mothman really fits the description way better than like it just being a giant bat, because I have to, I have to give a lot of caveats and change a lot of the description, for it to be a big bat. Where if we go more with just a straight eyewitness account, most people describe it being something fairly similar to something like Mothman. Well, if you if you go that angle, we're saying it's something more like the Mothman NASA Gargoyle esque angle. The one thing that it doesn't seem to share with those, being this like not biological entity though is. Like a lot of Wigan humanoid stories, there tends to be curses that that go along with it, or tragedies that come in tandem wait, wait, wait. when sighting these. I things. got a response with that. What was occurring when it was initially encountered? You talk about the Mount. Well, the Mount Saint Helens eruption. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But like people still see Mothman around Point Pleasant. True. It's rare, but people do still report it. True. But. I think that there is at least some association with natural disaster or man-made disaster, just disaster in general, um, to justify a potential connection there. But even with something like, say, the NASA gargoyle, there we were kind of stressing to find a direct connection to give it justification to be there. But I thought with the Columbia explosion, I thought the Columbia explosion happened at the same time. Didn't yeah, it? it happened at the same time, but not nearly the same sort of place. That's, that's most true. Yeah, like, like I said, it, it's not that we couldn't make the connection. Man, we didn't have to stretch, stretch more than yeah. normal. I mean, you, you could argue that the Mount St. Helens thing, rather than it being, like, causing it or being around the same time, it could have just been displaced whenever Mount St. Helens erupted at the same time. And that's why you start seeing more reports of the Bat Squatch after the eruption because it's been displaced from its home. And now you're seeing it all throughout the, north, the Northwest and down through New Mexico. And that makes some sense, too. And it you does... Can, I mean, you can make the argument either way, though. I, I think you could easily make the argument either way. It does seem to be that over time, this thing's been given a greater degree of range. It's been popping up in other nearby states, um, where originally it was mainly just sighted in Washington. Uh, but I don't know. I think about the description. Most people describe it as being dark-skinned or furred, gargoyle-like wings, human-like hands, a general pseudo-primate appearance with bestial qualities. Most people have it having its... Uh, neck more distended straight out from the body instead of lifted up, which would be something that would hide the head, which is a, co a common thing in many of the um, encounters with Mothman. And one of the things that really hooked me was, for those of you guys who haven't uh, watched our NASA Gargoyle video or are not familiar with the case, you might want to go back and check that out. But 
the way the guy described being in the presence of this gargoyle he saw um, is very similar to some of the cases where people had been, been in more prolonged exposure with, say, uh, bat squash. Where there was one case where, did you read the story where the guy ended up in um, a mental institution for a day? No. Okay, but he was describing like he felt this thing could look into him. He felt like it was peering into its soul, that this thing was innately malicious. Now, that might just be the natural instinct of being in the presence of something that was large and predatory. But, I don't know, it was just so similar to the description of being in the presence of a national gargoyle that I, I find it hard not to relate them. I, again, I, I counter, though, with, say, like, the original story, like Brian uh, Brian Canfield, and when he's talking about when he sees it, he pretty much just says that they, they just stare at each other a while. And they're just, like, awestruck with the, not Oh, not awestruck. They're just awkwardly staring at each other while not saying that he felt this weird predatory stare looking at it. It was just this, you're there, I'm here, which is very similar to many Sasquatch stories. Well, they where, could, it, where it's just minding its own business, which tends to be in a lot of the, the Batsquatch stories, though. Well, people's individual responses can run the gambit, though. I, I agree. Like, uh, look at Mothman. You have a ton of different sort of reactions mm -hmm. to uh, to the presence of the Mothman. Most parts, it's people just kind of wanting to get the hell out of there. But you see people who kind of feel like they have this, this otherworldly experience that's not as based in fear. True. But, like, I, I don't have a solid nail in the coffin I that either. I'm pointing to saying this is definitely a mysterious flying humanoid akin to yeah. Mothman. Because we can't even say exactly what Mothman is. Yeah. We can't say exactly what the NASA gargoyle is. But what I can say is there are certain commonalities shared between them. Yeah. It's the wings, man. I'm telling you. It's that monkey wrench that throws it in. Definitely, definitely, definitely to my argument of it being... Because, again, the more that I talk out loud, man, the more it sound, the more sounds like I'm making the case for being about, like, a biological creature similar to Sasquatch. Well, what, what the biggest issue is this. That body shape with individual arms, right. legs, and wings does not exist in the biological world. You can't point to a single yeah. other animal that has that. Now, maybe there used to be ones like that. We have myths of all sorts of animals that used to be like that, but none of these right. have ever been confirmed. Like, say... Pegasus would have this sort of body shape. Griffins would have this sort of body shape. Dragons would have this sort of body shape. But also, nothing in the animal but, kingdom has the ability to shut a car, <laughs> shut, yeah, yeah. shut a car off either. Well, wait, wait, wait. I I don't know this for sure. I haven't tested. It, but what if you threw an angry electric eel at a car engine? I then I think the car is going to shut off because it's in the water. Or the eel's just gonna die because you threw it. Because you well, threw I, it, it maybe it'll like fry the car before it. Yeah, does. I, I I don't know. <laughs> it, it's just I was just thinking maybe an electric eel could. Oh man, dude, did you? Oh my god, one of my absolute favorite things about studying the Basquatch story was when the 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 story kind of like breaks in like '94 with Brian Canfield. I, I loved the way that they tried to uh, make him sound like a credible source because they said that Brian Cranfield. Uh, believe it or not, does not uh, listen to heavy metal, has ever seen UFOs, and does not play role-playing games. I'm not making this up. That, what? That was the way that they tried to create like him as incredible <laughs> eyewitness, was that he doesn't listen to heavy metal, look, claim to see UFOs, or play Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. I wish I was making this up. I totally missed that part. Yeah, but it's, the it's so, heck? It's so... Okay, look. Wait, what, when, when was this? What year was this? 94. 94? Was this even during the whole D&D scare? I no, thought that this, happened earlier. This was a couple years later, but I'm sure it was still probably around at least. True. You know. Keep in mind, man, like 94, probably... Tabletop role-playing heyday didn't happen until well into the 2000s. Oh, yeah. It, it, okay, yeah, it didn't really hit mainstream until Critical Role popularized it. And if you guys don't know, I play Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, we do play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, we're we're actually both big role play fans and big fans of the paranormal. Yeah. So, but that's just such an odd way to try to credit him. <laughs> also, what's up with the rock music part? I don't know. That's so weird. I don't know. I, I guess people that listen to heavy metal music are incredible witnesses. I, I don't know. I don't know why. 
Hey, look, look, look at uh, look at uh, Ricky from uh, Mount Vernon Paranormal. He used to be in a lot of rock bands. And plays. And a I lot love of, working with him. And plays and plays a lot of tabletop role playing games. That's true. And claims to see UFOs. I don't know. Does he, R- Ricky? Let us know if you have ever seen UFOs. I'm pretty sure that he's. I'm pretty sure he's told me stories of him seeing stuff in the sky. I don't remember if I've ever had this conversation with him, but maybe. Oh, uh, either way, w- when you hear this man, just let us know if you've seen a UFO before, because <laughs> I'm not really sure if you have. Okay, but back to Bat-Squatch. When it comes down to it, what do you think people are seeing? I think they're, I think they're legit seeing a flying humanoid. I don't think there's any doubt. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Again, winged humanoids are things that have been seen across cultures with this sort of body type. It is, it is just a thing of them seeing this humanoid shape with wings. I think they're seeing, they're seeing something like legit. I also, I'm with you. I think they're seeing something. I think it's a event shared by people in a lot of different places. Um, like, like I've already said, NASA gargoyle, Mothman, Freiburg Shrieker. There's Mothman-esque encounters all over the world that pop up from time to time. And also, like, uh, the Chicago Mothman. This thing's very similar to that one, especially in the sense that there's less prophetic sort of stuff involved with it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, even a lot of the stories that go down through, like, through Mexico, having it being, it's, like, slightly smaller. It has blackish-ish skin and, and, is, and is seen in the sky. Again, it's seen with a lot less prophetic, you know, natural disasters that occur. Well, the thing is, there is always that debate in the world of Mothman if it's actually connected to the collapse of the Silver City Bridge. Or if that was just the pivotal event that took the focus off Mothman. And that it was just always this odd entity that was in the area. Mm-hmm. I do connect them with catastrophe, but the connection is very meta. It's very hard to point out exactly how the connection works. It's hard to point out why it works or why it lingers in areas long after that's occurred. Because, and I think if you look at enough flying humanoid cases, you can make the connection. I think you can too. I mean, but again, in, in, in Mothman's stories, though. You have a lot of stories of it being literally, though, in the midst of the catastrophe. Blackbird or Chernobyl, it's flying amongst the, the, the clouds. The, the sightings of Mothman around 9-11, flying around, like, sightings, like, flying around the buildings and the wreckage and stuff. Or like Fukushima. That. Yeah, flying around, uh, flying around and all of that stuff, too. Um, uh, although, well, think, think about this, though, man. Yeah. It could have been flying around Mount St. Helens. But, but nobody knows. No one would have noticed because <laughs> yeah. no one would have been there yeah. to document. No, no, no one was out there. Yeah, it, it was such a small population up there. It it, it could have been doing it, just yeah. it never got reported. Did you hear the story of a big coming? Oh, I think it's called Mount Shasta. I'm familiar with Mount Shasta. I yeah. don't know it connected there, to yeah, Bat Squatch. There actually is a story involving somebody seeing it flying out of a seeing a Bat Squatch flying out of Mount Shasta. And but this one has like a wingspan of like fifty feet, of what they said. Oh, there are some bat squatch descriptions. For the most part, they just say it has big wings, but mm-hmm. most of the time they don't say how big. But I've I've heard of some accounts where they do give a guesstimate on the wings and then being like legitimately very yeah. large. Mount, Mount Shasta itself is a whole. We we could do a whole video on Mount Shasta by itself because it, it's a huge place dug in the paranormal. And maybe we will. Yeah, it would actually would be a very good idea for us to do one of those. Um, again, it's like just off the top of my head. I know it's supposed to be like one of the chakra points for like the whole world and stuff like that on a massive magical ley line. So the idea of a bat squatch flying out of a crevice from this thing with like a fifty foot wingspan definitely kind of plays into maybe it being something a little bit more supernatural. Probably. Hopefully, it's not the bottom chakra. <laughs> do, you, do, do you know what the bottom chakra is? Uh no, it, it's it's more or less your body. Oh, well that's what I was assuming. But I thought I was <laughs> I thought I was something I thought I was something worse than that. Okay, I should have I should have gone with my gut choice there. You should. Right, you should. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm really surprised I haven't been able to convince you that it might be more closer to Sasquatch for the day, but I don't think I'm well, convinced on this. Okay, if we're talking about like the more spiritual Sasquatch, then yeah, you might be able to make some headway with me, like the more mystical Sasquatch. But I just really don't think that this is a biological creature. And if it is a biological creature, 
most of the reports getting to us have just been very, um, oh God, poorly worded and poorly scripted. And it must be people misremembering details. Well, again, you're, you're, the human eye and the human memory is one of the most unreliable things ever. People's like judgment of how big something is, again, is way off. I mean, I always go back to the story of my grandfather talking about the size of this buck that he shot once. You know, as I'm telling the story, when he's telling me when he's a kid, it's like a five-point buck. And by the time that I, you know, he passes away, the thing's like a damn near 20-point buck. <laughs> but, I mean, epistemically, it is the only real thing that we can rely on because it's right. the only form of direct information. Well, I think you can take multiple stories of people and connect them together. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think that's actually what you have to do yeah. when you're looking at stuff like this. You have to see what remains consistent over many, many stories across many, many locations. Yeah, and I think that if you're describing a creature like this, something that's between six to eight feet tall is probably feasible. I mean, humans, there's a two-foot range for a lot of people's size, so... Yeah, and there are primates that have gotten that big. And that's definitely not my issue with it. It's just there aren't primates that have wings. And there are definitely aren't primates that have arms, legs, and wings as individual appendages. Mm-hmm. It's just not it's just not out there, man. Mm-hmm. And that's my biggest issue with considering it to be biological. Now, mm-hmm. I, like I said earlier, it is totally possible for, a ma- or for mammals to have wings. We have seen it occur. And it's technically would be within the mammalian toolbox for a primate to eventually develop something like that. But it would take a huge amount of time. It would take really specific sort of like conditions for it to occur and a ton and ton, ton of luck. It's just not something I see a primate doing in the next million years. Now, the one thing that I think that we have not brought up, which we could brought up, which is a argument that I have made, and we, we I think we both have made, in numerous... Um, cryptid uh, videos is the idea that it's possibly a skinwalker. Oh, yeah. And I actually, I got something on that, too. Because if you think about a lot of skinwalker stories, they look like a lot of, like, whereas creatures with just something off about them. Like, something that's different, something that's not quite right, and things like that. So, yeah, I think so. And there are... accounts of skinwalkers having these like you know freaky-esque wings and things like that there are bird-esque skinwalker stories that have been told okay i'm gonna take your skinwalker and i'm gonna raise the ante here where bad i probably more can to believe that the idea that this thing is probably a skin like i think that no, there, are... there do you know there are legends of whereabouts that does no, exist no. in the lore yeah and well yeah and i know that i think they're from south i think it's south, south america yeah south america, yeah, south america is where now the what they're doing them. in washington state i don't know yeah near mount st Helens, i don't know but uh but no i think it's quite possible that in a lot of these very remote areas you could have people practicing um, you know, essentially like a magic that eventually caused them to turn into some esque where esque creature. Now, my only problem with this argument is though many of these stories tend to be skinwalker stories. They tend to be violent, and these people, these things tend to be just minding their own business around. I guess. I don't know. I really don't think it fully fits the Skinwalker lore because this is this is less someone taking the pelt of an animal and changing into a proximity of the animal than like something very weird. And because this has traits of multiple animals, I, it sounds like this would be something slightly off from a Skinwalker. I, I, it's an interesting idea. Maybe Skinwalkers could perfect their craft. Because remember, when we're talking about Skinwalkers, the much of the traditional telling is that it is effectively a form of magic, not a biological trait or inherited trait it's something that you develop as a individual skill so perhaps a particularly talented skinwalker could craft something like this or somehow had a belt of a previously existing creature right well i mean i I think again i think but i think that this i think i've always believed that skinwalkers are something that is a it's a cross-cultural thing that can be seen in different cultures and i think that explains why you see a lot of these humanoid-esque animals that don't make sense biolo- biologically oh okay i think i'm following you yeah. um well the, i have i have a bit of a different perspective on it. i generally don't like put the wear creatures in the same category as the skinwalkers mm-hmm. like i'll put them in the same um category as like say 
witch doctors who can change into panthers or mm-hmm. um, like Russian warlocks who can change into like swarms of, of birds or swarms of insects. I, I would put it more in that sort of category than I would like the traditional were creature. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to bring that up at least. No, that, in, that, that, in the, that was a video. good discussion because that brought me to, that reminded me that there are werebats. I forgot <laughs> that there are werebats. <laughs> And I was even going to going to bring that up earlier, and I just kind of glossed over my oh, yeah. point. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, whew. all right. So I, I think this is probably a good time to get into our final thoughts on the Bat Squatch. So, final thoughts. What are what are your thoughts on the on the Bat Squatch? Okay. It's either a a really weird, unique species of spectral bat that had moved up along the coastline likely long ago was living uh, on top of Mount St. Helens, feeding off of uh, large mammals who gathered there, and then was displaced during the eruption, causing it to move into new areas. Or, in the more likely category that I believe more strongly, that this is an entity that we do not scientifically understand yet, akin to other flying humanoids, like Mothman and the NASA Gargoyle. Um... I'm going to make the argument, I think, that these are probably more refined skinwalkers. I think that would explain why they have this other weird enhanced ability of being able to turn off cars. I think it would explain why you don't see them necessarily eating all of the time. They're doing their own business because, you know, skinwalkers got their own business to do and things like that. And that would also probably explain why we are not finding, I don't know, dead bodies of these things, finding them around and things like that. And why they can hide. Uh, much easier. So, are you thinking that they might have had like this isolated circle up on Mount St. Helens and then had to had to move it? Could be, or it could just or it could just be a practice that's again just stretched along the East Coast. It very well could. I disagree, um, but that is a really interesting thought. Mm-hmm. But we definitely want to know what your guys' thoughts are on the Bat Squatch below. Make sure you guys leave a comment on what you guys think of the Bat Squatch. Also, if you guys remember back to the beginning of the episode, if you guys would like a chance to get one of our patron uh, videos for free, uh, make sure that you guys share this video on our Facebook page and leave a comment that you guys shared it. Um, If you guys really like this episode, don't forget to leave us a like, share, comment, subscribe, follow us on whatever platform you guys are listening to it. It really helps. Become a patron and get 15 more minutes on this episode. <laughs> I was getting there, sir. <laughs> anyway, there are some people that the best way, that the only thing they can do is maybe leave a like, comment, or share. That's absolutely fine, too. Yeah, but yes, if you would like to we catch more. Yes, if you would like to catch more of this podcast and a bunch of other great content, you can always go over to our patron and sign up to get 15 more minutes of this podcast, which today I believe we are going to be talking about... I have some ideas on multiple things that we can talk about, and one of them involves sharing a personal experience. Sweet. So if you guys are wanting to catch more of this episode, make sure you guys go over to our patron and sign up today. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. So, yeah, I think I want to go with a personal encounter for this one, because one of the stories that... I had read about uh, a Basquatch encounter, ended up syncing up with this bizarre personal experience really, really, really well, and it's probably colored some of my um, viewpoints in this video on why I was feeling it was very connected with uh, winged humanoids. But um, I don't think I've told you guys, you pa- you guys on Patreon, or your, yeah, I don't think I've told you patrons about this story yet. And if I'm wrong and I'm repeating our, myself, I guess we'll we'll post something special for I'm, you guys. I'm, don't worry. I'll keep adding more to the conversation to spice it up and make it original. Don't worry. But I'm pretty sure I haven't told you guys this one yet. I don't think you have either. Okay. This is from... I was in college still at the time. This was during my early days of college. I was probably around 21. I didn't go straight into college. I actually um, worked and migrated around the, the country teaching uh, survival for a long time. Wait. Had we met by this point? No, no. This is this is before you, you oh, had met okay. me. Sorry. So this is a long time ago. You still won't meet me for probably another year. Okay, okay. Um, or maybe you'll meet me later on that year. Um, but okay. So me and a few of my friends decided that we're going to go out camping. These were friends of mine from back when I was at Oakland City. Mm-hmm. And basically, we, we had just bought a bunch of alcohol. We decided we are going to go camping for a few days. We're going to get in touch with nature. Because most of them were, they were very... Uh, <laughs> 
city bound folk. <laughs> city bound folk. I, I don't I don't know how a good term for people who don't go out in the woods very much. Uh, you mean like me, Marcus? Yes. Like that would probably be a good way. I, I would I would consider you to be a city bound folk. Okay, thank you. And so, like, I was one of the few people who really knew how to go out and start a fire and stuff.